Well, I was neurotic for years. Anxious, depressed, prideful, greedy, envious, selfish. You name it, I was it. And everyone kept telling me to change. And I resented them. But I also agreed with them. And I wanted to change, but couldn't no matter how hard I tried. What hurt the most is those around me, my loved ones, also kept telling me to change. And so I felt powerless, trapped. One day, my loved ones came up to me and said, don't change. I love you just the way you are. And the words were music to my ears. Don't change. Don't change. You don't have to change because I love you just the way you are. I relaxed. Came alive. Suddenly, I changed. <laughs> now I realized I couldn't really, genuinely, enduringly change until I found someone who loved me whether I changed or not. Is this how you love me, God? On Consecration Sunday today, you've been blessed the last several weeks with some extraordinary sermons from other congregants. I'm kind of the interloper here, coming in from Colorado for the day. But you had Earl and Suzanne Stanley, Mike and Lisa Miller, Larry Mills, the MacArthur's, all of whom have shared from the deepest parts of their hearts their own brokenness, how they trans transferred their way of it, their translated, transformed the way they view the world, begun to release their ego, all of which are key cornerstones of becoming authentic. And again, the theme today and through all of this series is Christ-like authenticity. And so with the theme of consecration, which I had to look up what that means, it means, it means sacred. So treating my life today, consecrating the sacredness, the holiness, the wonder of my life today, both in my own heart and perhaps with your fellow congregants here today, as I share some of my stories. Further, I listened to Mike Kilbasa's 30th wedding anniversary. Way to go, pal. Whoa. His testimony from a year ago and the metamorphosis he has done in his own life from a prideful individual to more humility, openness, serendipity, wonder, and how it's not only increased his own personal sense of well-being, but also enhanced his family and grown his business. Because I learned that, again, from a, a sleepy regional meat firm, he's become now a national level magnate out there, a kingpin, he's smiling <laughs> over there. And so how am I gonna compete with that? It's easy. I became a vegetarian. <laughs> so I'll share with you interweaving some of my own stories into a few metaphorical stories today uh, for you to consider. And the metaphor I want to start with is our life is like driving a bus. So picture the first few rows of this bus are all those parts of us that we willingly show to others. Humble, character, integrity, smart, funny, articulate, kind, compassionate, good leader, 
caring for others. You know those parts of you that you let show to others. And they sit nicely in the front part of the bus, and we call them up to drive the bus on occasion. But a few rows back in the bus is a big, heavy, thick curtain. And behind that curtain, in the back of the bus, where there's a lot of rows, are all those parts of us. I like to think of them as the icky, stinky, smelly twin brothers and sisters we have that we don't show the world. The angry, resentful parts. The parts that feel a sense of shame or guilt. The parts of us that are anxious, scared, timid, don't want to be seen. You know those parts of us, maybe the lustful parts, greedy, selfish, envious, all those parts that we hide. And the guards keep a really tight drawer, keep tight, a tightness on the back of the bus. When we're driving our bus during normal times down smooth roads, no problem. One of the characters in the front drives us, and then something happens. Example, you had a tough day at work. You had to deal with some clients who were not particularly happy with you. You were betrayed by a couple of vendors in your business. Some co-workers were talking behind your back. You can feel all of this steaming inside of you, but you don't say anything because you got to have your game face on in the work environment. You go out to the parking lot and you find that your car's been keyed, big scratch down the side. You're going home, there's a long traffic jam. People are honking their horns, you know you're going to belay. You start pulling into your home, it's boiling inside of you. But you keep your game face on, you hold it together, but you feel it in your chest or your temples. Sit down to dinner, they get it. They can see in your face. My kids would see it in my nostrils because I can kind of go like this. You can probably see it on the video, maybe not out there. But I'd, I'd have facial expressions where everybody's, whoa, what's up with dad? And then one of the kids spills their milk at the table, and you lose it. You go after them. Talk about how inconsiderate they are, selfish, and not only just spilling the milk at the table, you get into the grades, the choice of their partners in life, okay, how the privileges they have, it all begins to flow out. One of those characters in the back of the bus came through and is standing there at the curtain going just like this. And it's not the kid. And you know it. And so one of those characters in the front of the bus, all those nice parts, they shove that person in the back of the bus. They redouble the guard. You go up to the kid's room. They're crying. You try to nurture them, care for them. But then another character in the back of the bus, the shaming part, starts berating you also. You idiot. What did you just do? And the spiral begins to take place. In polite society, what we do is typically is we close off that curtain to the back of the bus. And what I'm going to encourage us to do here today, and what I believe the Gospels encourage us to do, and what Jesus did throughout most of his, through his entire ministry, is to go into the back of the bus. To go back and actually meet and befriend, oh my goodness, befriend all those characters in the back. Because what is it they want? More than anything else, all those disowned parts of us want to be loved. They could have been spawned many years ago in our childhood or very recently. Who knows? Someone made an offhand remark to us. 
that we didn't deal with at the time. Could have been a parental figure, a coach, whatever. But all these feelings begin to cascade inside of us and they get stuck. And so the thought here is if we go into the back of the bus, that's where we meet Jesus, who puts his arm around us and says, my beloved, I love you just the way you are. That part of us can then relax, come alive, and change. Because my belief and my experience is that all those parts in the back, they don't start out bad. They want something good for us. They want us to be loved, approved, safe, secure, in control. They just actually manifest in an inappropriate way. And if we go back and befriend them, we have a chance to transform the fear, the anxiety into a sense of excitement, the anger into a place of forgiveness and perhaps knowing when to draw boundaries in our life, and the shame which may have occurred many years ago into a sense of you are my beloved. You have always been my beloved. You were fearfully and wonderfully made before you were in your mother's womb. So imagine there's an intrinsic sense of goodness inside of us, not just in the front of the bus, but in all parts of the bus. And as we gradually begin to nurture those parts that have been disowned, they begin to take their seat in the front of the bus, making us authentic, real, welcoming human beings. So I invite you to consider welcoming those parts in the back of the bus. I know I've got them inside of me. And by the way, this is not something that you do in a 45-minute oration here at San Antonio on a Sunday morning. It's lifetime work. But the more I practice the muscles of welcoming and loving those intrinsic parts of myself, the more easeful I am, the more loving I am, and I believe the theme for this weekend, the more authentic I become. Another component of this I believe is important is going into the back of the bus, we need fellow pilgrims. Who are others around you, perhaps mentors, guides in your life that can help you? For myself, I was blessed in, the late, in my late 30s when my, my part of the back of the bus was when I was going through some deep depression. And I reached out to a local priest who guided me to a monastery I went to where for two or three days I was held lovingly by the monks and nuns there. Gradually I began to reach out to other, protege, other, other mentors. A man named Jack Willoughby here in San Antonio, who I'll have a chance to see this afternoon. A man named Bob Buford, who lived in Tyler, Texas. Jim Dethmer, who was the teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church. These men kind of took me under their wing, cheered for me as I navigated the treacherous terrain in the back of the bus and guided me more and more to living authentically. So it requires not just doing it ourselves, but finding a posse, other guides around us to support and help us. Who are those people in your life? Who is that person or persons who love you whether you change or not? I'd like to give you another model now. And this one now is about how we choose to show up in our life authentically. There's four elements of this one. The first is that we can show up where life happens to me. 
This is the mindset of much of the world where they're victims. It's not my fault, it's somebody else's. Nothing I can do about it. Notice my answer, I'm helpless. So life happens to me. There's a subset of that called life happens about me. It's a narcissist. My life is truly about me, how special I am. If you're sitting here on a Sunday morning in October, you're likely not in that category. But consider in yourself where you might tend to fall into victimhood. Life happens to me. Authentic living, certainly modeled by Jesus, is life happens by me. I take responsibility for my life. A sobering thought for us is to consider that everything in life is a choice. We don't have to do anything. You don't have to show up here on Sunday morning. You don't have to send your kids to school. You don't have to go to work tomorrow morning. You don't have to do anything. Well, yes, but you don't know. No, you don't have there, There's consequences if we don't do certain things. But having a mindset that everything in life is a choice strips away all victimhood. I choose to do these things. I choose to show up on, you know, on Saturday mornings to help, help with the food. I choose to show up and be part of the choir. I don't have to do anything. Ponder that for a moment. It's a huge step that most of the world can't take. And Jesus taught over and over. So to me, by me, there's a third way. The third way is life happens through me. Watch my hands for a moment that love flows into me through the crown of my head. I put my unique spin on it. It's called the body of Christ, I believe, in the, in the Acts, you know, where everybody had their arm, a leg, a, a torso, a tongue, whatever, it flows through me and out to the world. So I am a conduit of love. Love flows into me. I put my unique spin and it flows out to the world. If I've got a lot of icky, stinky, smelly twin brothers in the back of the bus, they're going to corrupt what flows out to the world. So the first thing is to be able to cleanse myself. We're going to actually do this experientially in a moment. So to me, by me, through me. There's a fourth one. It's actually quite rare. And that actually ties into the gospel today. Life happens as me. Love your neighbor as yourself. That my neighbor actually is me. I am life. Not that love flows into and through me only, but I am love. That's where I mesmerized by John chapter 17, where it talks about the Father is in me as I am in you. I am, in an essence, I have the spirit, the counselor inside of me. I'm essentially a divine being having a human experience. So love, life, actually happens as me. Very rare you will meet people like this for myself. Well, you think they're going to be luminaries, they're going to be uh, high spiritual people, uh, really in the uh, hierarchy of the church. I've actually met one person in my life that actually felt that sense of as me essence. You know the asme essence is, if you remember the story of the walk to Emmaus, when the two guys, the two dudes were walking along the road and Jesus shows up, they don't know who he is, and they felt like the spirit was rising within them. Go read it, I think it's in Luke. So I had this happen one time where I met with this man, this person that just encountered serendipitously, and as we began talking, 
clearly had a great uh, depth of knowledge of the gospel, and I just felt this charisma about him. There was an essence uh, that just it transcended the cognitive. He happened to be a 25-year-old Sufi tour guide in Jordan. <laughs> Not what you would normally think. But ponder for a moment the asmi, the essence of the divine, is in every human, every sentient human being. And so when our judgments begin to fall away, my goodness, I begin to have this asmi, this communion, this oneness with every being. My belief is that can only happen after we've gone into the back of the bus, not after, concurrent with going into the back of the bus and dealing with some of our own woundedness and letting it be held, blessed, transformed, changed by the love of God. All right, here's the experiential part. So everybody stand. <coughs> Trust me, we're not going to sing. I sing poorly here, so this is not a singing part. Okay, have your masks on. Have your arms out like this. So you have some space around you. Don't touch another person. Yet. And here's what I invite you to do. First thing I invite you to do with your hands out, palms up, is do a very slow rotation. Left or right, doesn't matter. Do a 360. And as you rotate, consider in your mind's eye all the things in your life for which you are grateful. Oh, my partner. My children, my granddaughter, my mind, my ability to see patterns, the successes I've had in my life, my network of friends, all the things in your life that you're grateful for. Bring your hands in front of you now and hold them palms up. As you look at the palms of your hands, imagine that you now carry, hold all those things in your life for which you're grateful. And consider that it's impossible to feel grateful and unhappy. And as you hold them, we're called to hold and not cling, and joy but not possess. And so to signify that, I invite you to hold them out, precious as you are to me and turn your hands over, I choose to let you go. And release your gratitudes. With your palms down, your legs straight now, begin to push downward with your palms. Downward, downward, downward. You may feel a little strain in your back. Your hands go past your legs. And continue to push your hands upward, upward, upward. Bend your legs a little bit. With your palms upward now at shoulder level and in this stooped over position. Imagine on your back you carry anything you carry from the past that weighs you down. Maybe it's regrets over failures in your life, mistakes you've made, guilt that you carry, shame that someone imposed upon you that you're not good enough, you're unworthy. Any anger you might carry toward others, 
unexpressed anger or unforgiveness. You know what it is you carry from your past that weighs you down, and it may go back decades. Feel its weight on your back now. But we're not meant to carry this. No place in the Gospels does it say we need to carry this. And so to signify that, turn your palms over so they're facing downward. Bend your knees a little bit. And as you come upward, envision that all of that weight that you've carried on your back and in your body falls off. Can you let it go? Now let your hands come in front of you, palms up. And as you look at your hands, now imagine that they carry all of your fears or anxieties about the future. Will I ever connect with my adult children? Will I ever connect with my adult parents? <clears throat> you know what it is, the fears you carry. Will I find a career that's satisfying to me? Will I ever make peace with my partner? Will all this pain that I'm carrying ever go away? You know what it is, the fears you carry about the future. But we're called to fear not multiple times in the Gospels. So with that belief, I invite you to turn your hands over and gently, lovingly allow all the fears that you carry to flow out through your arms, through your fingertips, and let them go. As your hands come to your sides now, breathe deeply into a cleansed body. Imagine what it's like now to have released your gratitudes, your pain from the past, your fears about the future, and welcome all of you, front and back of the bus alike. Now allow your hands to come out to your sides, the right hand, Represents. Look at the right hand. It represents all those parts of yourself that you show to the world. We talked about those a little earlier. All the parts in the front of the bus. And now look at your left hand. It represents all those parts that you hide. And in this place, this at this time, I invite you to consecrate all of yourself now as you slowly bring your hands together. And your left hand may not be want to be brought into the light. But for this time, this place, this Consecration Sunday, bring your hands together, touch your fingertips in the palms of your hands, and feel what it's like to welcome all of yourself. Don't change. Don't change. I love you, all of you, just the way you are. And feel what that's like. <clears throat> And you've done this now in your own mind, in your own body. Now is a real experiential part. Find someone else standing here. It could be a loved one, another person. Stand in front of that person. Everybody's paired off. Stand in front of this person, look in their eyes, look in their soul, look beyond just the superficial. 
Perhaps see a piece of yourself in this person. See their pain. See their intrinsic goodness and holiness, sacredness. Life happens as me. This person across from you is really a part of yourself. Holy and beloved. Fearfully and wonderfully made. And honor this person and honor yourself with a slight bow. Don't change. Don't change. Don't change. I love you just the way you are. <clears throat> Let that perhaps be your mantra for today. In a few moments, we'll begin the Eucharist for this day. You'll have a chance to welcome the body of Christ. And as you receive the Eucharist today, consider that as you receive it, the parts of you that need it most those shadow parts, the disowned parts in the back of the bus, imagine that the Eucharist is feeding and loving them today. And saying to them, don't change, don't change. I love you just the way you are, my child.